Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Right, who's for leftovers? Welcome to Homo Sapiens. You probably don't realise this, but it's Thursday, everybody. Because how are you supposed to know what day it is between Christmas and New Year, I ask you? I have just finished, because we don't eat on this podcast, my 473rd celebration from a big pot that I bought in co-op. That's all I eat now. I just eat celebrations. It's called the Celebrations Diet. Um, You should try it. And I am one-third turkey... Three quarters stuffing, that doesn't really add up. And 7% James Bond movies. What have you all been watching over this festive period? I, so I finished White Lotus. Where did you all get to? Did you all love it? What did you think? I adored it. I love that meme that's going around of Jennifer Coolidge. I think that's her name. I'm having a brain freeze. Going, um, (laughs) these gays are trying to kill me. (laughs) I just love that bit. Um, It was so good. And the cast was so brilliant and loved it so that was my my uh what do you call it uh my festive watching and i want to know how your christmases have been what's the goss who lamped who over the eggnog if it if such a thing happened very harmonious christmas over here i'm pleased to report i had the whole family round absolute heaven we've had a lovely time husband liked his presents pleased to report I very much liked my presents. And as we were talking about on the episode before Christmas, did I give him some things that I actually wanted? Well, we'll have to... We need to get him in here to be the judge of that, actually. So on to today's episode. I'm thrilled to bring you a really lovely conversation with broadcaster Shivani Dave. We talk about all sorts. We're talking about non-binary inclusive football teams to maternity laws and how they impact LGBTQ plus people. Plus, we're also going to be talking about Shivani's experience of coming out as bisexual and then coming out again as non-binary when they discovered this term. Bit. Because the theme of today's episode is coming out more than once. You all wrote in um, a lot when we put this on socials about how I think 75% of you, we get into it in the chat with Shivani, 75% of you feel that you have your identity, gender identity, sexual identity, sexuality identity, is that even a word? Um, Your sexuality has evolved excuse me, one of my celebrations trying to get back out, uh, has evolved since you came out. I think that's really interesting. So that's what we're talking about. And Shivani has, is someone who has done that themselves. So who better to speak to? Shivani is a journalist, a broadcaster and a physicist. They provide a youth audience with impartial news. They basically host um, a sort of queer news show on Openly News on TikTok. So we've got a TikToker on the show, everybody. And on the weekends, Shivani hosts a show 
on Virgin Radio Chilled. They also have their own podcast, the LGBTQ plus history podcast, The Logbooks, which is just incredible if you've ever heard it. You know, they've also set up their own production company. They were in the Radio Academy's 30 Under 30. They were in the Attitude 101 Honours List and is a British LGBT Award Top 10 Broadcaster 2022 and a shortlist as a British Podcast Award Rising Star. So we are dealing with the real deal here. Shivani did an interview with me for... Virgin Radio Pride, I seem to recall, um, around Pride Month, um, because it's just a month, everybody. The other 11 don't count. And we just got on really well. They are just a really interesting person for many, many reasons, many of which I've just outlined. So that's coming up, talking all about coming out more than once. But actually, to be honest, the conversation went so wide-ranging that we ended up talking about a bazillion things, and it was just lovely. So that's coming up. Have you caught up with last week's Christmas special with Hunsnet? Highly recommend. You know, I was involved in the making of it, so I would I would recommend it. But uh, trust me, it's festive, it's fun, it's good. Go for it. Tell me what you're doing in between Christmas and New Year. I want to know. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com or on Instagram at homosapiens. Tell us what you thought of the episode. Any holiday season, anonymous agony uncles will be answered. And if you're looking for a late Christmas gift, I mean, we're talking seriously late here, but you know. Homo Sapiens store, all one word, is where you can get yourself a t-shirt. The brand new design, people, if you want to see what it looks like, it's on the um, Homo Sapiens Instagram, and it's really cool. It says Homo on the front, Sapiens on the back, and it's really, like, it sort of creates the logo as you turn around. Perhaps maybe when you're dancing somewhere. Let's have a look at emails, shall we? Jamie got in touch about our Coming Out at Work episode, which was the other week, with Micah. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jamie. I really enjoyed listening to you and Micah talk about his experiences of coming out as a trans man at work this morning. I'm a 51-year-old gay man and have worked most of my life in corporate offices, firms in law firms, first in law firms, sorry, in law firms, and then as an in-house lawyer. I know, far from the world of entertainment and far from being viewed as a sexy profession. Jamie, um, listen, my husband's a lawyer. I find him very sexy myself. I think a lawyer is a really sexy profession. Um, One thing I didn't see lots of when I started office work and that we are still lacking is LGBTQ plus people in senior positions. Totes. I so agree with this. There's a body of evidence to say that if you can't see it, you can't be it. Love that saying. That's me interjecting there. So aside from it being much better personally for a person not to have to hide part of their identity at work, there's a career development, perhaps I mean societal, benefit too. We oldies help others by being visibly gay, visibly trans or visibly queer. Very true. I did the video in the link below for my current place of work about my experiences of coming out in the workplace. Oh, cool. I didn't know there was a link. And at my last workplace, employees were encouraged to do, if they wanted to, a short video talking about an aspect of their identity that made them feel different. We ended up with a very wide-ranging series of talks about people's cultural background, how difficult it was moving countries, their experience of anxiety attacks at work, We posted them on the company intranet. They were a huge hit and we were quickly overwhelmed with all sorts of interesting informative insights to people's experiences. Mm, This is really cool. They became kind of like a microcosm of what, what you're doing with the podcast, a gentle but persistent reminder of all the ways in which a person can feel different. I love that. It also left me feeling different about the sector I work in. Yes, office work. Yes, the corporate life. Yes, the law. Sometimes yawn. And definitely viewed as a bit of a soul destroying by those with more creative careers. Not me, Jamie. I'm married to one. But there's a huge amount of diversity within any office, and I think diversity and inclusion efforts are starting to show that. Interesting. Hurrah, says Jamie. 
Thank you so much for writing, Jamie. And I'm thrilled to see that there is some progress going on somewhere. Hello. Well, with that optimistic kickoff, why don't we go and have a listen to our lovely chat with Shivani Darvey? Phone off. Shivani on. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Settling into winter, sweater weather, all that kind of stuff. Well, it's funny you say that because it's absolutely pouring with rain today, right? During all the rain, <laughs> the back of my house, this is really boring, so I'll keep it brief. The water was just going up and up and up because the drain was leaking. Ooh. So I've been out in the rain with a shovel just trying to like get rid of something was blocking the route for water to the drain. So I was like, when is this rain going to stop? Because otherwise my house is going to flood. Anyway. That sounds so butch what? though. That's absolute mask energy. <laughs> Shivani, in my 40 years, no one has ever said that to me. <laughs> so I'm so thrilled that finally someone's called me butch. Well, that, that's it. That's the podcast done. Do we need to go on? I think it's why I started the podcast. Now I've completed gayness. 100%. It's quite interesting because like there's certain things... I I wonder what your version of this is. By being outside of a gender binary, you count yourself out of everything that is of any way presenting of any gender. Therefore, you don't think you're any of those things. But actually, yeah, maybe some things you do are birch or femme or whatever, you know. Well, I'm certainly, I've got the femme bit sorted. And the birch now that you've stood outside in the pouring rain with a shovel. Um, <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting one because sometimes I'm kind of like... I wish I could get on the hype of, I don't know, whatever it is, whatever the new trend is, where it's kind of like femmes in fashion or being butchers in fashion. I'm kind of like, mm. oh, I wish I could hop on the trend and make some like Instagram content to get me some serotonin. Um, <laughs> but then I, I know yeah, mean. I feel like I'm outside of it, but also it means that I get to choose which parts of it I interact with. So that's fun. Oh my god, my cat is destroying a John Lewis box that I thought he what? enjoyed, but now he's just ripping it apart for attention. <laughs> um, what's your cat's name? His name is Bronsky, named after Bronsky oh, Beat. Lovely. So for all the young listeners, they might not know what, who Bronsky Beat were. Very good point. Um, they were a band in the 80s and they performed for the Lesbian and Gay Support the Miners fundraiser for the mm. miners yeah um yeah and i think i just watched the movie pride and was very emotional and then we decided to adopt a cat and that was where the inspiration came from for his name oh lovely i've seen pride so was that performance in the film no 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 right i thought i was like you know when you just there's huge sections of films that you <laughs> you completely forgotten when you watched them a while ago like i went to see this amazing thing a symphony orchestra playing the soundtrack of Jurassic Park while you watch Jurassic Park. And it was so cool. But watching that film again, it's nothing like you remember. Have you seen it? Ages ago. I don't think mm. I could tell you the, any details of the film to any great depth. I went into a weird wormhole as well about um, sexual politics in the film Groundhog Day. Have you ever seen Groundhog Day? I've not. Have you not? No. Do you know the story? Yeah, kind of. It's like the same thing over and over again. Yeah, Bill Murray has the same day over and over again. And throughout the story of the film, he is 
learning how to make Andy McDowell fall in love with him. Okay. But <laughs> the way that it's executed, because it was done in whenever, 1990, is... Um, problematic to say the least because he's basically kind of secretly finding out things she likes and then saying them even though he doesn't agree with them in order to make her have sex with him and you go god i remember being thinking this film was lovely when i was a kid (laughs) yeah that feels very um very out of date (laughs) but it's quite true of many films now don't you think oh for sure yeah um, I'm trying to think what, like, there are so many films. Bender Like Beckham, I can't go a day without mentioning Bender Like Beckham. Uh, and I think that film, I mean, besides the fact that it should have been queer, um, yes. largely holds up, apart from the fact that you realise that Jess, the lead character, is supposed to be something like 16, 17 in the film. And uh-huh. she starts dating the coach. I mean, the film's been out for 20 years, so if that was a spoiler... Yeah, if you've not watched the film in 20 years, you're not going to watch it <laughs> tough, now. Tough luck. But yeah. she starts dating the coach who is like an adult man. God, and is which one's Jess, Kira Knightley? No, she's the other one. So she's oh. the lead character. So you love Bend It Like Beckham, right? Yeah. So this isn't really a question for you because you're going to know the answer. But did you know that Shazney Lewis is in Bend It Like Beckham, listeners? And tell me a bit about, because I know you've spoken about the sort of the queer legacy of Bender Like Beckham. Yeah, I think that Bender Like Beckham should have been an explicitly queer film. I mean, there's a lot of football, which it does not necessarily mean that you are part of the community. But there's Mm. a strong correlation when you're assigned female at birth and you have a passion for football. There's a link there. Um, But also... There's an intense friendship between the two sort of main characters. And I had an intense friendship when I was a teenager and it turned out to be queer. Um, It's just striking how that film should have ended with the two lead female characters falling in love and going to America together. And it doesn't do that. There is a supporting actor who comes out as gay during the film Mm. and he's sort of like i'm gay and everyone is supportive everyone who knows is supportive which is quite a nice representation to see but i think they could have gone bigger and bolder with it Mm. so where is the line between the stuff we put on genders and the stuff that is kind of within us in a natural sense natural I mean in the best possible use of the word but I think it's really interesting how we say you know like boys are socialized to like football for example but then we're talking about it could be an identifier of a queer woman if that queer woman likes football it it sort of interests me that we they're quite different things aren't they yeah and I think it's one of those things that the culture and the society that you're brought up in, not just the gender or the sex that you're assigned at birth, but the way that people around you interact with you as well and Mm. how much they socialise you down that path, but then also how much accessibility you have to certain things. Mm. It's a very interesting question. (laughs) but Good. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's got something to do with the fact that largely... Football, in this case, for boys is something that is sort of like an assumption. And Mm. the way sport is at the moment, sadly, is that it's quite 
it leans towards sort of like dominant personalities and aggression and that sort of fighting spirit that that need to win which Mm. is all things that we associate with sort of masculinity and Mm. with boys when they sort of pop out of the womb there's automatically those assumptions that are made about them so Mm. when that child is like three or four and learns to toddle about and you can put a ball in front of them the assumption is there that that they will go on to do more sport in general Mm. because they have this like the assumption is it's like a genetic inbuilt hardwired thing for for like Mm. you know macho men to like sport and for women it's i think we're still socialized in a way no matter how far we've come with feminism to see women or girls as more dainty figurines who are Mm. precious and breakable if you touch them and so there's mm. less of a push there for children who are girls to to go into the sporting route. And then when you look at mm. football in particular, that results in and the way that it comes together in society has resulted in football being something that for a girl to do becomes quite challenging because often local clubs, local teams won't have girls' teams. They'll have plenty Mm. of provisions for boys because the quote-unquote demand is there. But for girls, it doesn't sort of result in the same thing. So it's sort of a lot harder unless you're in a space where you have parents who can drive you half an hour, 45 minutes to go to a football club. If you're a girl, then then largely you're going to miss out on that. So those kinds of sort of quote-unquote more masculine traits are sort of something that boys are allowed to explore and express that girls Mm. aren't so much and that's obviously such a binary reading of it but the society that we're in is really binary from the word go from a birth of a child well yeah I mean it's really interesting because I had a baby and you you sort of re-enter society in a different way like because I had gotten used to surrounding myself probably not probably as in pretty much on purpose with people who roughly you know don't think in that way but then you go back out into the world and a kid means that you end up in loads of spaces and you realize how binary everyone and everything is about everything you know and it actually brings out really binary things in like the older generation of your family and all that stuff and you know photos of her is like oh she's posing like a model and you're like because that you know that was going on when I was a kid and it was traumatic and if it's happening 40 years later it probably means it'll be happening in 40 years again in a way well hopefully things are changing it's also things like when you get um when you go to the shop and you see like some baby grows and it says like for the quote-unquote boys one it's like future prime minister and then for the girl one it's like supermodel whatever it's kind of like yes I think it limits everyone because it means that men are less likely to be able to embrace their feminine elements and like what if that little baby boy wanted to be a supermodel but never have that had that encouragement Mm -hmm. like yeah it's it sort of just restricts everyone a little bit more I think also with parenting it's not just the baby element of it that is so gendered and so sexist but the actual doing of it so I'm sure you'll have come across like 
baby changing facilities usually being sort of in the women's toilet as opposed to the yeah, men's. Never. Yeah, never in the men's. And it's not just about, you know, where's the accessibility for same-sex couples who are men who have a child? Where are they going to change their baby's nappy? But it's also clearly so built into our society that sort of childcare is women's work. Yes. And I think yeah. stripping all of these labels and assumptions about how things should be divided by gender will only mean that everybody gets to live in a more liberated society. Yeah, and I found when I I moved to Hackney in East London, you know, whatever it was, 15 years ago, and then I've subsequently left there. But uh, when I moved there, it was like my generation didn't have kids and then they started to have kids. And you sort of saw that like where I lived in Clapton, like all those cafes went from hungover people to people with children and blah, blah, blah. And it's allegedly a progressive place, you know, like it's got, got its own problems of, you know, gentrification and, and we're talking about certain kinds of people and all this stuff. But you would think it was quite open minded. I I think I saw six dads in the whole time I lived there looking, doing primary care work. It was all mums and it was all, you know, uh, mums with buggies. And, you know, and I was talking to someone about this the other day that that's nobody's fault in a way. It's just that, you know, it's childcare and women and the workplace and all of that is is a really complex complex issue this person i was talking to was like saying it's a conspiracy to keep women out of the workplace because they won't make working hours match with hours around having kids and in the early months of having a kid if a person is breastfeeding that person would be the person who's at home you know yeah and i think the way that society has been built around this kind of like idea that looking after children is what women do it kind mm. of has resulted in that being sort of easier for women because of things like the changing stations being in women's bathrooms and things like that but also like if you look at how things are legislated in terms of maternity and paternity care we're still sort of playing catch up with the law so I mean I don't necessarily believe it's this horrible, evil conspiracy where there are people at the top trying to keep women out of the workplace. But I do think that because the way our laws work is that they sort of build upon each other, we never sort of wipe the whole whiteboard clean and start from mm. scratch. We're still playing catch up and trying to right some of the wrongs or not even wrongs, but just some of the missteps that were made. Mm, the sort of discrepancies between... Yeah, and I think like a lot of workplaces, you know, will still not offer equal maternity and paternity leave and pay and things like that. And there's no legal requirement for them to at the moment. It's sort of an individual basis, but it's sort of like what what has to happen? Do workplaces have to just take the initiative and do it themselves? Or mm. does it need to be legislated? I mean, when when you look at how Parliament operates, um, who was that MP who'd recently had a baby and had to go and vote on something and wasn't, oh, yes. wasn't allowed to um, to go and wasn't allowed to vote by proxy, even though she just had a baby and was on maternity leave? It is ridiculous that there is this sort of structural imbalance within our society. Yeah, and the same with, you know, you have to pay someone else to look after your kid if you haven't got another person in the family who will do it for free, whether that be someone you're married to or going out with or blah, 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 or, you know, a relative. So you've got to pay someone 
full time to look after that kid while you're not there. And then after you've paid them, you've got to find your money. It very rarely adds up in any discernible way for anyone to be doing it. Yeah, I don't have any kids, so I, I'm not sure on the numbers and, and stuff like that. But I was looking at a friend who's recently had a baby, um, her Instagram, and she was saying that to pay for childcare five days a week, it would cost her two grand a month. And she was like, that's more money than I make a month. So yeah. I will actually be losing money by going to work and having to pay somebody to look after my child while I'm at work. It would, <laughs> it would be cheaper for me to just not work and look after my own child full time. Totally. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tell me about your childhood. Yeah, so I I was like a little tomboy. Um, mm -hmm. I have a big brother who I used to follow around like a shadow and try oh. and copy in every single way until I became cooler than him. <laughs> <laughs> and where was this? This was in northwest London in Harrow. People know okay, it and think yeah. it's fancy because there's a very posh school there. It's yes, not fancy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I used to follow him around and I used to, I used to like go to football training with him and until I was sort of, 10, 11 and got told, you know, I'm not allowed to play football with the boys anymore or whatever. Right. There was nowhere. So you were into football. That was what I was wondering. Yeah, I was hugely into football. And then my parents sort of tried to look at where I could go and play football when there was nothing nearby. So it was sort of a passion that I had for a while. Gave up on. I was um, at an all-girls school and tried to create mm -hmm. a football club there. And I convinced one of the science teachers to uh, spend his lunch break sat out in the middle of the grassy field um, for us to play football. And I think me and three other people showed up. Uh, so not enough people <laughs> for five aside. And um, <laughs> and we, we've all come out since. <laughs> really? That's hilarious. Yeah. So that's fun. And then, you know, my footballing career didn't take off. I'm not Beth Mead or Jill Scott. <laughs> um, but it's something that I've later in life so sort of the last couple of years joined a local grassroots team near me in hackney what's their name gold diggers so instead of gold diggers we should put that in the show notes if anyone wants to look it up and join yeah they're awesome it's like a women in non-binary inclusive team we have members from all sorts of ages all sorts of footballing abilities it's really fun and, and a really nice space because there's basically no rules for entering besides you know don't be a bigot, <laughs> which is right, quite right. nice. There's sort of no tolerance for racism or homophobia or transphobia or any of those kinds of things. And mm. if you can agree to not be phobic, then mm -hmm. you're welcome to play. You're in. Yeah, which is which is quite nice because it means that there's a whole range of people, which is really fun. But 
like during all of that different footballing journey, I've come out countless times. Mm. Um, when I was at school, um, it turns out the kids knew that I was part of the Rainbow family before I did. Ah, yeah. There was sort of suspicion from people at school when I was like, no, I'm not gay. Um, and it's quite sad because obviously like, you know, you don't want anyone to have to feel like they're forced into a closet or anything. Mm. But yeah, I, I was sort of really denying that I'm I'm queer. And mm. then I got to university and I cut my hair and I was like, oh my God, I'm so queer. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, how? why have I been denying myself from this all this time? I went to an event that the LGBT society held at university yeah. and a friend took me along and I think he kind of knew. He spotted me a mile off and he was like, we're going to this thing tonight if you want to come. And I was like, but I'm not, you know, and he was kind of like, yeah, but you're invited as an ally. That's fine. And um, I went to the event and as soon as we were sort of walking home, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely bi. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, what a nice friend for doing that. Yeah, yeah. He He's still a really good friend of mine as well, which is really sweet. And back at that point was going to university the thing that kind of unlocked it for you in terms of freedom what were your family like you know is it is it an assumption to say it might be trickier being from a south asian family you know was there any background in that yeah i think um that's an assumption which is incorrect in my case but i understand why mm -hmm. it's made um so when I was younger, a family member of mine came out as bisexual and she largely was um, unsupported by the extended family. Mm -hmm. So there was, a, there was a, a fear there for me that the same thing would happen. In, in that whole process, my parents were incredibly supportive of, of this family member. Um, okay. That was a big worry for me as I was starting to think about my sexuality. And I went to university and finally stopped holding myself back from accepting who I am. So I finally mm -hmm. stopped only showing half of who I am or, or only mm. showing a part of who I am and finally said the words like, I'm bi. And mm -hmm. it was like a huge weight off my shoulders. And the people around me at university were really accepting. And when I moved back home after uni, I told my parents and initially it didn't go super well, but mm -hmm. then I had a conversation with my parents and they were kind of like, it was a shock and we're sorry we didn't respond the best possible way, but we had these sort of expectations for what your life would be like and, and you coming out to us makes it seem like you would then be put in a world where there is more sort of bigotry and there is more homophobia and biphobia that you would have to put up with. And we didn't want you to have to deal with that. Um, mm. But but they've been incredibly supportive. And, and when I came out as non-binary and I told them about top surgery, they were like, okay, amazing. Which surgeon do you want to go with? Where is the surgery? Wow. They were like looking up all of the reviews. They like have been absolutely incredible and in recovery I, I don't know how much you know about top surgery but but when you have the surgery your whole sort of upper body gets affected because everything's connected so you can't mm -hmm. do a whole lot 
And that mm-hmm. includes like making a cup of tea or or making dinner or whatever. So while I was recovering, I, I was saying to my mum, like, I was texting her, I was like, can I have a cup of tea, please? Um, <laughs> and she'd be like, there. She'd bring me extra cookies, like, amazing. Aww. An absolute star. That's incredible for, you know, there's so many things about that whole little potted history that is amazing because the fact that your parents could articulate hey i'm sorry we didn't react right in the first place but here's why i mean a lot of people could really do with a bit more of that and to and a lot of parents to understand how healing that is i don't need you to rewrite the past i just need you to acknowledge that perhaps it wasn't handled well at the time and that's that let's move on you know yeah like make it right going forward rather than like pretending Mm. it didn't happen people will defend to the they will just defend 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 because they can't go back in a time machine but that doesn't matter we just want to hear it was handled badly and here's how it's going to be handled going forward yeah so what was really gutting was um in 2020 my mum wanted to go to pride with me because it it would have been like a certain number of years since I'd come out and I was like 2019 I was like mum you should come you should come and she was like no we'll do it for like the this anniversary of your coming out and um then the pandemic happened and all pride events were cancelled so she owes me she owes me one big queer pride so do you know what pride you'd go to well I think it would be London pride because we're in London but probably sort of one of the less crowded elements of London pride because if you're watching the parade it can be packed so yes. probably like hang out by Soho Square where there's like a nice stage with people performing and like yeah. have a drink on the on the side of the grass or something. I'm coming to find you to meet your mother at the next Pride because that is a cool mum. Yeah, she's literally my hero. She's... Oh, really? She's amazing, yeah. Because of the way she handled your queerness or just life in general? She's like all round pretty cool, but the way that she has handled my queerness, I mean what you said about making assumptions about South Asian people and queerness isn't completely like fictional. There has been a lot of backlash from people in my life, in my extended family with sort of family friends where people don't get it or they think it's wrong or they've just got some sort of issue. And Mm -hmm. My mum has been the number one champion. So whether it comes to me and my partner or it's my surgery or it's even, you know, she was at a restaurant with some friends and they went to the bathroom and they were all unisex bathrooms. And one of the people at the table said, oh, you know, I don't like that. I don't like sharing my bathrooms, blah, 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 single sex bathrooms. And this was an opinion that was completely came out of nowhere for this person. And my mum just like shut it down. She was like, no, people like it's a it's a locked door. You're okay when you're in the cubicle. Like nobody is coming in there with you. Um, Like if anything, it's weird to think too much about who's in the bathroom with you. And it was sort of like (laughs) getting on this. um, This person was sort of getting on this sort of like transphobia, sort of Twitter-esque version of, Mm. of what she'd seen online about what it means to be in a bathroom with with a trans woman and my mum was just like not having any of that we're gonna nip this in the bud right now and then what was even better was she rang me afterwards and said so 
this happened and this is what I said, but I'm not sure if that is the best thing to say or the right terminology. And so she like calls me up and she says, in the heat of the moment, I did this, but like, can we get some fact check in case there's a follow up? Wow. So she's like, I love that. Trying to learn and get it right. And I'm like, this is amazing. Your mum needs to hold seminars. She does. I think she does. Yeah, because it's just, it's really rare to hear that. And what, what a wonderful person she is as a result. And she's like a 60 year old lady who's just like, you know, walking family dog and, and hanging out and then coming out with all of this like incredible stuff. Where do you think that comes from in her? I think it comes from the fact that she has always been a bit of a rebel. She was always the kind of person who would question authority around her. And mm-hmm. so when she now, even now, is being told, this is this, she's going to question it and she's going to say, you yeah. know, are you telling me the truth or do I need to interrogate this more? Because it seems like it's not fair what you're saying. Like, it comes from the fundamental belief that, like, be nice to people and and don't don't do any harm to anyone, you know? And also analyse things on your own terms. Like, don't just accept a truth. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that is part of like, you know, when, we, when we're trying to understand people who come from the other side, you know, the transphobes and all that, which I am obsessed with understanding, because I think if you could understand, you might be able to solve it. <laughs> like, I think that there is a lot of people who don't question anything. Um, this is too broad a statement, actually. But there's a lot of accepting the status quo without analysis that leads to a lot of hurt actually when it's um not necessary and i think with that point on transphobes like i think i don't think anybody is born transphobic and starts off that way but i think fear is a really powerful emotion and when people are in fear of something or someone it causes them not to necessarily always behave most rationally. So when people are told to be fearful of a particular type of person, they don't necessarily always stop and think to interrogate what they're being told. They maybe just Mm -hmm. respond based on what they've got right in front of them. And I think we saw that happen with particularly gay men in the 80s. We see it happen all the time with refugees and migrants Mm -hmm. and asylum seekers And we see it happen with trans people. And it's this kind of, in my view, fear of something different, someone that people don't necessarily understand because it looks different, it sounds different. It's going against the status quo. That's the end of part one, loving this chat. We're gassing and we're having a lovely time. Uh, So that's that. Part two's on the feed. Go get it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Powered by Spirit Studios.